Break out the chocolate and the candy hearts. It's almost Valentine's Day. Hello, and welcome to the Grace of Giving podcast. We're your hosts, James Riley and Grace Brasniewski. Well, gee, we've officially made it through the first month of 2021 and through the first holiday of February. That's right. Unfortunately, it looks like we've got quite a few weeks of winter left. Thanks for nothing, groundhogs. <laughs> That's right. Well, we just have to look forward to the next holiday coming up here, Valentine's Day. And what better way to celebrate than to feature a colleague we love working with? Join us. Joining us on the show today is Program Director on the Foundation Relations Team, Suzanne DiGiulio. Welcome, Suzanne. Hi, guys. How are you? Doing great, yeah. Just trying to make it through some a couple cold spell days that we have here. I've been slipping and sliding on the streets, taking the kids to school every morning, but I think we're okay. <laughs> it's been brutal. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, well, Suzanne, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Highland, Indiana, which is just about 75 minutes west of South Bend, just straight, you know, down on the toll road, mm-hmm. kind of right before you get into Illinois. Um, my parents still live there. Our, you know, house I grew up in is is still there. And uh, I have a, a younger brother. He actually lives up near Detroit now with his family, um, but stay, stayed in the area until until he got married a few years ago. Okay. So you're still pretty used to like cold weather winter. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, South Bend gets a little <laughs> more snow than we would get in Highland, but the temperatures and you know, yeah, it, it's, we're, we're very used to that. I'm very used to it, but that doesn't make it any easier. It's still <laughs> awful. And I still complain about it every single winter. <laughs> I actually missed that area when I was a, a pharmaceutical rep. I used to call in that area, Thailand or Highland and Munster uh-huh. and Cherville and, yep, you know, it's yep. just like almost going to Chicago, but you weren't quite in Chicago. <laughs> it's a very odd place, actually. It's, um, I learned later in life, it's called the region because oh, yes. it, it doesn't really fit in the rest of Indiana, but like Chicago and Illinois want nothing to do with it as well. So it's just this, it's its own little region, I guess. That's why right. I got the name, maybe. It's, it's a very interesting place. <laughs> <laughs> so Suzanne, take us through your academic career. So I went to high school in Highland, Highland High School, and then um, I went to undergrad actually at Loyola in Chicago. So moved up to Rogers Park, which is the furthest north um, neighborhood in Chicago that you you can be in before actually crossing into Evanston. So very far north in the city, Um, but it was amazing. I loved it there. Uh, We had a downtown campus, so I got to take classes downtown as well. Um, I was very randomly a journalism major. Mm. Um, I thought I wanted to be a writer when I was young. I still love to write, but thought I wanted a career in it. But, you know, upon graduation or, you know, senior year, I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do with this degree, actually. So, Mm. um, you know, had some interesting internships, kind of well known by some of my friends here that I interned for the Jerry Springer show. Um, While I was a junior at Loyola, that was very interesting, helped me to realize quickly I never wanted to work in TV, but but still was interested in writing. And so, you know, even though I wanted to write, still didn't know what I was going to do with that degree. So I ended up going to law school. Um, I went to Valparaiso University, which is not far from here. That's right. Um, 
And, you know, that was really interesting, actually. I, my first year was really hard. Like everyone says it is, it's a very, very hard thing to do your first year of law school. But if you can survive that, then you're, you're pretty good. You're in the clear. And I really enjoyed it. But I realized also very quickly that I didn't want to be in the courtroom. I didn't want to do that mm. kind of legal work. Um, and I also graduated from law school at kind of a difficult time in the economy, very hard time to find a job. And so I never practiced law. So I never practiced law and I never became a journalist, but I'm very grateful for my education. It's helped yes. me along the way a lot. <laughs> when I think of journalism uh, in terms of colleges and universities, the first one that pops into my head is University of Missouri. Did you ever give that a, 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 a thought? At all? No. Do they have a good journalism program? Apparently, yeah. A lot of our broadcasters have, have come out of Mizzou, I believe they call it. So Okay, yeah. yeah. I've definitely heard of this school. No, I um I don't know what I was really thinking. I don't think I planned it very well. You know, I, mm. I think I just wanted to be in the city. Sure. And I, I took a few visits to Loyola. I thought it was really cool and I thought I'm I'm gonna go there for sure. But I should have probably yeah, researched, you know, journalism schools, things like that. But 18 year old Suzanne was not not <laughs> as, you know, together as as this Suzanne is. I won't reveal my age, but yes, not, I have, 19, a, have it a little more together now than I did back then. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, yeah, you ended up at Notre Dame, so it worked out for us at least. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Yes, uh, yes. Um, so what brought you to development work then? Yeah, so um, so like I was saying, had you know kind of a hard time after law school finding a job. It was you know difficult times in the economy, and um, something that I had gotten interested in in my senior year in college was politics. Um, so there was you know it it was not the politics of today. It was a little a little more tame, um, and I was really interested in it. And um, you know being in Chicago, there were a lot of opportunities to volunteer, and mm -hmm. Loyola was you know had a lot of different things going on politically as well. So I, I got interested in that. And I actually um, found a job with Joe Donnelly, who was our former congressman here. And I'm the husband of Jill Donnelly, oh, Jill, sure. our former colleague. And really, it was incredibly random how I started doing development work. I became a fundraiser on his campaign. And, um, you know, it, it, was a really interesting experience, but one of the things I learned very quickly was I actually really liked fundraising. Mm. Um, I'm a pretty competitive person, so I liked having a goal to work for. I liked working with donors. I liked planning events. So it it really, you know, just kind of fit a lot of the things that I guess I was interested in, in at the time. So I kept working in politics, doing political fundraising for about six years. And, you know, by the end of that, I'd worked on several campaigns and I was just very tired of politics. It was a lot of moving around. It's a lot of mm -hmm. nights and weekends, but I still wanted to fundraise. And I learned a lot from Jill Donnelly about the work that you can do at Notre Dame, having those fundraising skills. And so really, you know, that's what got me interested in working here in development. And uh, it all worked out. I never knew that story. So Jill is the connection. Yeah. She is. I did. You know, I. Again, um, back when I was in college, I, I didn't know that, that colleges even had development offices and like people raise money. Like, you know, I was just going to college, doing my classes, having fun, had no clue that that was a thing. And then when I met Jill, she was working in development here and mm -hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe 
that's a job. So <laughs> as soon as I found out about that, I thought when I'm done with politics, this is definitely what I want to do. Wow. So then you yeah. came to work under the dome and the development office and what keeps you here yeah. then? Um, you know, I love Notre Dame and I, I always have. So it's, it's been a family school for us. I obviously didn't go here, but my dad did, my uncle, some of my cousins. Um, so I've been coming to campus. I've been coming to football games forever, for as long as I can remember. Mm. So I've always really loved the school. I love the mission. Um, but getting to work here, you just get to learn so much more about it. And it's really only made me love it even more. I love the people I work with. Um, so it's just, I mean, it really is just the perfect fit. I have, you know, a love for Notre Dame. I love to fundraise. I have now a job where two of those things are combined and it's just a really great fit for me. That is great. Awesome. Well, so before joining Foundation Relations, your current team, you were teammates with our last guest, uh, Shelby Carroll, on the President's Circle and Kavanaugh Council team. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your previous role? Yeah, so I mean, very similar to what Shelby said, it was um, so, so interesting. Like, I think such a great first job to have in development at Notre Dame, because, you know, even though I understood fundraising, I didn't understand university fundraising, and I certainly didn't understand fundraising here at Notre Dame. So I got a very, you know, good education on that. Um, Working with President Circle and Kavanaugh Council, you're working with some of those, you know, top benefactors. So you get to know them, you get to know their families. um, And you also get to work a lot with leadership. I mean, I, you know, I was working with Drew. I was in the same suite as Lou. I worked all the time with Mickey and Shannon at the time when I started. And so it was a really, you know, great job to get to know them, to get to understand their roles and what it was that, you know, they were really focused on, but also working with the field fundraisers and getting to know, like, what is their job exactly? Like, how does all of this work? And so it just gave me a really great education on how um, Notre Dame development worked. And so I, I loved it. It was it was a great job. And thank God for Shelby, because she Aww. basically, I know she had only been in the role seven months when I started, but she pretty much taught me, like, everything I needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> So then you transitioned over to Foundation Relations. Uh, some yeah. people say FR, right? Um, how'd you know it was the right move for you? Um, you know, so I had been with the President's Circle. I think it had been like three and a half years. Um, and so, you know, I had done all the events. I had been through multiple cycles of fundraising for, for PC. And I just, I just wanted a change, really. And the biggest change I wanted was I wanted to do more direct fundraising myself. Mm. Um, because the field fundraisers are still doing the fundraising when it comes to anything PC or CC related. And so I, I really wanted to do more of that fundraising and it was funny. I didn't know anything about FR, um, when I, even, you know, multiple years into my role with PC and CC, I didn't really know much, but once, um, FR and CR was under Drew's leadership, Um, I got to know Michelle Joyce a little bit and I got to learn more about the work FR was doing. And I thought it sounded really interesting because I didn't have much of an idea of, you know, what was going on on the academy side of things. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that might be something really interesting to me and I would get to fundraise. And so the more I learned about that role, um, the more I was interested. And then, you know, the role I have now opened up and it focused on law and political science. And so a lot of things I had an interest in. And so I just thought it would be a really good fit. 
Sounds like it. That's right. <laughs> all your all your interests, yeah. <laughs> um, so, can, can you tell us a little about what a typical day looks like for you? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, probably more like typical days now that we're remote. Um, mm. Back when I was in the office, I was on campus a lot, um, especially in um, the Keo School, because um, a lot, lot of the areas I cover, the faculty have their offices in the Keo School. So I would be there a lot um, working with faculty or, or meeting with faculty just to learn more about their work, learn what they might need funded. Um, nowadays, it's just, you know, a lot of Zoom meetings with mm-hmm. faculty. Um, I feel like I work pretty closely with our AAD team as well in the areas that I cover. So, um, you know, lots of either meetings or emails with them, just talking about different projects going on. So so the meetings, definitely, um, we work a lot on different proposals that we send to foundation. So a lot of it is, you know, either drafting a proposal or kind of editing and reviewing something that a faculty has put together and then um, having that communication with the foundation to see if it's something they're interested in. So I wouldn't say that every day is the same, which is a good thing, but I feel like working with faculty, working on those proposals, um, and then of course doing research on, you know, what are foundations looking for? Are, do they have any calls for, for funding right now? I'm trying to track a lot of those down. So that's a lot of what it is, I would say. You know, you mentioned something that's interesting uh, about the, pandemic and Zooming with the faculty members. I'm thinking about just uh, the logistics of it all. So in a non-pandemic year, when you're having these face-to-face meetings, I'm assuming with faculty members, it's usually because Mm -hmm. they're on campus, maybe for a class. Uh, Mm -hmm. But some faculty, they're not here every day because they don't have a class every day. So most likely they wouldn't be able to meet with you. But now through Zoom, even if it's a non-class day, they can probably meet with you. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, a lot of the faculty I work with might come in to their office even if they don't have a class. Okay. Um, But I think you're totally right because, you know, it would be a lot like, well, I'm going to be on campus on Monday or Wednesday, so, like, here's my availability. But, yeah, I find now, um, yeah, they can meet at any time. And, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. the same with foundations. I mean, okay. you know, trying to get them on the phone or meet with them face to face. That was always, you know, it could be hard and it's, it's a lot easier doing it via zoom. I mean, (laughs) we miss the, you know, face to face interaction, of course, but, but yeah, getting people to meet with you has been a little bit easier, I would say. Great. So you've had the experience now of working with individual donors through PCCC and, and now foundations. What are the similarities and possibly the differences in your approach to working with these different entities? So similarities, I mean, we're still trying to raise money for Notre Dame. So like that's always, you know, at the heart of what we're doing. We're raising for the university. Um, What we're fundraising for might be a little bit different, but, you know, working with, I would say there are probably more differences and similarities in that working with individuals, you're, you're really building those relationships. You're getting to know the individuals and their families. Um, you deal with a lot of issues like, you know, ticket issues and doing events and things like that. And there's not as much of that on the foundation side. We're obviously still building relationships um, with the staff that we work at at the foundations. But, you know, a lot of foundation staff, they didn't go to Notre Dame. They don't have that affinity for Notre Dame like a lot of our individual donors do. 
they're just looking to fund projects that fit within the mission of the foundation. And so really that's their focus. So you're still building relationship with them and faculty build relationships with program staff at foundations as well. But it's the relationship you're building is just different. Um, it's not as event heavy either. I would say that's a huge difference. I feel like with President Circle and Kavanaugh Council, we did a lot of events for individual donors, which was you know really fun. But we don't do that as much now with foundations. Um, there might be some events, but it's a little more rare. So yeah, hmm. lots of differences, but still really, really interesting. I mean, on both sides, I loved working with both. Do you find that it's easier for a gift or the chances of a gift coming in is uh, increased if it's a Catholic-centered foundation versus non-Catholic-centered? Um, I don't know if the chances are increased. I think it just depends on the project that you're pitching to them. Oh, sure. Like we, can, we can definitely go to more of those Catholic organizations because we're a Catholic university where a lot of other schools you know, that aren't affiliated with the, you know, Catholic church, they can't go to them. So mm. we definitely have a better chance because we're Catholic, but, um, you know, there's one in particular, one foundation in particular that only gives to um, entities involved with the church. And actually like, it's been hard to get a grant from them before. Wow. So, um, so yeah, it, it really depends, sure. but but yeah, we at least have the opportunity to go to those foundations, whereas other schools that aren't religious won't have that opportunity. Got it. So the foundation relations team has been so successful the past few years, mm -hmm. even in sort of these difficult circumstances of this past year. Um, so what qualities or processes do you think make you guys such a strong team? Yeah, so I would say, you know, now we're a full team, which I think for a long time, I think FR wasn't or, you know, there was a lot of kind of turnover. And so I think now we have a team, we've been in place, and we are led by a total rock star in Michelle. She really is just wonderful. And I think, you know, drives us to want to be successful and to want to do better. So I think that's a huge part of it. Um, we have Ernestine, who is just a wealth of knowledge and has, you know, been with CFR and now particularly FR for a long time. And so she can really help us through a lot of the processes that, you know, sometimes we don't know or that maybe we don't have time to figure this out. And she will always gratefully take it on. Um, and then me, Tom and Amanda, we all have a very similar working style. We just kind of like put our head down and do our work and do whatever needs to get done. And, and I think that that really works. And, you know, we, we have incredible faculty here at the university. So, um, yeah, they, they have great projects. They're innovative, they're creative. And I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's a lot of them, I would say that, that make us successful. It is such a great team as you were naming them. I was like, oh yeah, like Michelle, Ernestine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Ernestine, yeah. Uh, uh, Grace of Giving alum. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I remember hers. Yes, we all gathered as a team and listened to Aww. it when, when her episode came out. Yeah, we enjoyed that. It seems like that was 19 years ago, though, but uh, <laughs> we've you know, it really does. come a long way. <laughs> So yes. Suzanne, we, you and I used to work together closely uh, for a, a short term when I was a fundraiser and you were working in PCCC and I enjoyed that time uh, as we had a, a few donors that we worked with uh, closely. Um, so can you, it, but now 
you and I are working uh, again closely because we're on the DEIU task force, which is awesome. So can Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about the DEIU team and your work there and what motivated you to get involved? Yeah, definitely. So I'm on the task force and I'm also a part of the communications and impact committee Mm. um, that's led by Mike Brown. And so within the um, communications committee, I focus on a lot of our storytelling efforts. Um, And this is sort of a plug. If you're interested in sharing (laughs) your DEIU story, please contact me. Um, We can write it for you. We can video it, whatever you want. Um, But Ellen and Ruth, Josh Flint and I have been working on that effort. And then also um, with Stephanie Washington in alumni, she and I have been focusing on tracking the communications and the initiatives that um, are kind of being uh, held by the the task force or by the initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, Just tracking like when they were, how many people were there, who spoke, those kinds of things so that we have like a historical record and then doing a little bit of the survey analysis. So kind of going through the, the survey that was sent out in December and just trying to kind of look at that data and analyze it a bit. So it's been awesome. I, I just love it. Um, you know, this has always been important to me. I grew up in a town that was very white, very, you know, not diverse at all. The people I went to school with, they all looked like me. They had the same experiences as, as me. Um, but then I went to Loyola in Chicago, like I said, and just, you know, not only was Loyola very diverse, but the neighborhood I was living in is one of the most diverse neighborhoods, I, I think, in the country. And so I just started to meet people from different backgrounds, different experiences, and it really just opened up my mind. I mean, if, if not for that, I could have gone through my entire life just thinking everyone was like me, and mm-hmm. they're not. So it helped me to be, you know, more empathetic, more curious, more creative, just all of those things. I think it was one of the most important parts of my college education. And it, it kind of, you know, shaped me into the person I am today. So I would say that's why it's really important to me. And additionally, um, I have two nieces and a nephew who are part Korean. And, you know, I want to do anything I can to make this world more open and unified so that they don't have to deal with any kind of racism that their mom had to deal with when she was in school. She's, she's told me stories about what she dealt with growing up. Now, I don't know how the work I'm doing here in Notre Dame can, you know, affect them, but I just want to work for change. I want to work to make things better. And I, I think we're doing that with the task force. So it's, it's been a great experience so far. That's great, Suzanne. Thanks for, for sharing that. I think, I think we, I may be taking, uh, taking it for granted that people know what DEIU is, uh, uh, here in development. If you don't know, it's diversity, yeah. equity, <laughs> inclusion, and unity, DEIU. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Suzanne, with all the work that you're doing in DEIU and uh, also the background you mentioned of growing up in, in a very white community and not really seeing people different from yourself until you went to college, um, do you have any advice to white colleagues who maybe want to be more active in their allyship? Like maybe they, you know, they've gone to some of the educational programming and they're informed, but they don't know sort of what to do with that information. Any yeah. advice? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, thinking that I was always being a good friend and, and helping and trying to make a difference. But 
Um, I read Austin Channing Brown's book, I'm Still Here. I think she was, she participated in the Building an Anti-Racist Vocabulary Webinar, or sorry, podcast um, last year. And she talked about her book and that really had a huge impact on me. She talked about allyship and explaining like what it is and that it's active and that it's really, you know, it's on us to to learn. Um, So I think education is huge. I think, you know, reading books and articles, listening to podcasts, um, just trying to to understand how you can be helpful and and what it is you could say, what it is you can do. Um, Being, you know, okay with making mistakes. I mean, you're definitely going to probably say something wrong or, you know, make a mistake and that's okay. You know, that's something Eric Love says, like he's made a ton of mistakes and he's been called out on them and he really appreciates that because nobody's perfect, but at least we're trying. And then I think it's important to have, you know, conversations and discussion about these issues with your friends of color, with with your colleagues of color um, to, to learn more about their experience. It'll help you be empathetic and then just listening. I think listening is huge. Um, so, so all of that, I think is what I've tried to do. I'm certainly no expert, but that's, that's what I'm trying to do, especially, you know, being on the task force. Um, it's, it's just so important. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying. And I think that that's my best advice to anyone who's interested in wanting to do this as well. I definitely think you're, you're definitely making a difference, Suzanne. Thanks for your, (laughs) thanks for your hard work and, and your passion. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so you have life outside of work, obviously. (laughs) Can you tell us what you like to do for fun? Oh gosh. Well, um, pre pandemic, I really loved going into the city, Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I especially love going to Cubs games. Nice. One of my favorite, yeah. One of my favorite things to do. I actually really like going to South Bend Cubs games as well. I think they're, they're really fun. Um, I love to play tennis, even though I'm really bad. I like to play volleyball. I've done a volleyball league um, here in South Bend before, which was really fun. So just trying to stay as active as possible. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. That's I guess I'm trying to remember what did I do pre pandemic? But I think those are the things I like to do. (laughs) I think I remember. I I miss South Bend Cubs games. I love going to them. I know. That's right, G. You are a, a South Bend Cubbies fan, aren't you? I am, even though I'm, I am a, a Detroit Tigers major league baseball sure. fan. But I okay, love the South yep. Bend Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Suzanne, tell us about your Domer dog. Oh, oh yeah. So my dog's name is Theo. Um, again, this I am a huge Cubs fan, and if anyone knows who Theo Epstein is, yes. former president of um, the Cubs. Theo is named after Theo Epstein, who I I credit with a lot of the success that the Cubs have had in recent years. Um, But he is a little poodle mix, about 13 pounds, loves everyone. Um, If you've ever been walking around Eddy Street, you've probably seen me walking him. I live over here. Um, He's, yeah, he's, he's a cute little dog, and he has an Instagram page that Nice. has really kept me sane during um, COVID times because really I just post pictures of him and I look at pictures of other dogs and it's very therapeutic. So, wow, yes. <laughs> wow. How many people are following him on Instagram? 
Any idea? So Theo has a good following. Um, he's almost at thirteen thousand people <gasps> following. Whoa! Wow, go Theo! Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know I I understand why people want to be Instagram influencers because I get I get a decent amount of free stuff for him. So oh. you know I I can't imagine if you had like a hundred thousand followers what kind of stuff you would get. So really, yeah, he's, I, he's I didn't even little, know that. That's he's a, a thing. Influencer. So you, this is from like uh. <laughs> Like PetSmart or something like that? They give you free stuff? Not not like a PetSmart or a Petco. They're pretty big. But okay. like some of the smaller, there's there's a surprising amount of um, women who have like dog bandana companies. And so <laughs> they always want to send me a bandana or something so that he can promote it on Instagram. Wow. He is a model. Love it. He is. He is a model. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, gee. We got to get Bo up there. Yeah. Get him his yeah, own yeah. Instagram. Bo, Bo can be an influencer for sure. Yes. Oh, man. I will have to do like a crossover. Get them both in front of the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Yes. The next dog walk, which I hope we get to do again. Yeah. Oh, so yes. We will definitely do that again. No doubt. Good. So we keep talking about this pandemic. Obviously, it's still going on. Uh, yeah. What's been a new passion, uh, Suzanne, or hobby you've discovered or rediscovered during this time of extended remote work? Yeah, so um, I would say rediscovered surprisingly has been yoga. Ah. Um, I I do love yoga, but I I had ha- I've had kind of a hard time in South Bend finding a place I really liked. I actually really like hot yoga, um, and so I I think because I I moved here and I didn't really find a place that I loved, and mm-hmm. so I kind of fell out of it a little bit. But there's a studio. I used to live in Michigan, and there's a studio I loved up there. And during COVID, they started doing online classes. And so I started using or I started um, doing those just here in my apartment. And it's been great. So um, it's, you know, it's good workout kind of, but it's also really good mentally. Sure. Um, so, so, yeah, that's that's been something I've been trying to do a little bit more of. That's and I can't wait till it gets a little warmer out so that we can do yoga in the stadium again, because mm. that has been my favorite thing um, of this entire pandemic time. Aww. Like our the favorite activity that we've done. That was so cool. That was cool. We actually have yoga tonight. Every Tuesday we do yoga in uh, yeah. Howard Park and usually it's outdoors in the summertime, but we've moved indoors and it's uh, it's picking up and following a lot of people are, are signing up so much that we have to turn people away. Oh, uh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I need to give that a try. I've yeah, heard about that. It's a great time. <laughs> have you tried beyond Zen? I, th- I think they have hot yoga there. I went there once or twice a long time ago, but yeah, I, I definitely want to try them again. Um, I don't know if the studio is open now or, or what, but I need to look into them for sure. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool place. Have, have you ever done the yoga on the dock? that they have like by oh i haven't heard about that they i don't know if they'd have it now because of capacity limits but i always thought it sounded really cool but never got to do it yeah Hmm, i'll look into that too keep an eye on it yeah well (laughs) suzanne that about does it for us we're almost at the end of our time today uh we've so enjoyed having you on the show uh before we sign off we've got a quick take five for you so are you ready i'm ready okay suzanne here we go favorite book um, not very interesting, but my favorite book is, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. However, my favorite story is Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yes. Interesting. Least favorite yoga position. 
Um, chair pose. Uh, basically just a squat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Best sports moment in your life? 2016 Cubs. Yes, no absolutely. Yep. Favorite spot on campus? There's this spot when walking around St. Mary's Lake where you can perfectly see the dome and the basilica. Um, that is my favorite spot. I used to walk around the lake all the time when I worked in main building. Quote that sums up your approach to life. So my favorite quote is, you had the power all along, my dear, which is from my favorite movie, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, that is so <laughs> nice. Wow. Can we keep this going? This is this is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great catching up with you, and we hope to see you again soon. Yes, thank you for having me. This is so fun. James, what quote sums up your life? You know, I, I like the, the whole quote of uh, uh, it's hard to be anyone else, so just be yourself, that sort of thing, you know? Nice. Just be yourself because everyone else is taken. Nice, nice. How about you, G? Live, laugh, jingle. Ah, love it, love it, love it. Well, thanks for listening to the Grace of Giving podcast, folks. I'm James Riley. And I'm Grace Brosnowski. And this has been the Grace of Giving podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, stay golden. Stay golden.